This is the Leader Connect podcast. Now, before we get into this week's episode, how would you like some free leadership training? Training that will help you become an even better leader immediately. Head over to leader-connect.co.uk where you'll find a free leadership course ready and waiting for you. Okay, so in this episode, I talked to Judith Cantrell, author of Teams for Our Time, and wow, did she open my eyes to a different way of working as part of a team. She also uncovers the reason why we all feel so exhausted despite working from home, and she completely shakes up the idea of the team meeting. This will totally change the way you do teaming. Let's get started. Judith Cantrell, welcome to the Leader Connect podcast. I am so delighted that we're speaking today because I am in the process of reading your amazing book, Teams for Our Time, which I understand you have just been shortlisted for the Business Book Awards. This is your first book, which is amazing. I'm just thrilled. I'm really excited to be here. It's lovely to speak to you. But yes, how amazing is that? It's obviously hitting a few notes that people like, and I feel like I'm just, I've just been in the right place at the right time. Well, you you are one of those people that while most of us were binging on Netflix during lockdown, you decided to write a book. Why did you decide to write the book? Well, I've worked with teams for ages. and, And then obviously, as we all know, teams shifted online. So what I used to do is work with teams around the table, and then I had to shift and work with teams online because that, that's how it is now, isn't it? We you can't really get away from it. And we got on with it really well. But I mean, I've always been fascinated with, with the dynamics in a team and, and kind of what was happening when teams met, as particularly when they had jobs to do or tasks to do or problems to solve. So, so a lot of my work, I used to put together um, simulation tasks or problems. And what was happening when we went online was that teams could do the teamy stuff, They could kind of like get through, they could be sociable, they could be operational, they could do the admin, they could do the management. But if they were asked to do something that was really complex, where nobody really knew what was doing, it wasn't any clear structure, there was no kind of like step-by-step process put in place, they really struggled. And I was thinking, so is it something that I'm doing? Because we all all go, so is it something that I need to do here? And I looked at it, I changed a few things and no bang on. And it became clearer and clearer that if you if it's, you give a team a job to do, which is structured and they can use their tech and they can share documents and da, 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 then they're great. It, it actually works better online for a lot of situations. But if you ask a team to do something where no one's done it before, it needs a bit of creativity. It needs to be innovative, needs to be explored. It needs to be understood. You need to get a bit of insight from people and there was it it was just stone walls and people would just go would just be stuck or or they'd do that kind of like well, whose turn is it to speak and somebody would have an idea you must have been in this place you, you're you're in a conversation somebody says something you, yeah you go uh, 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 and then you can't because the mics don't do that do they there is no uh, uh, allowed allowed in the online space no no you're right we can see each other now because I'm recording this so we can see each other's faces but within a room context it's far easier to interrupt somebody what I think I found the hardest doing online stuff and and I've been in going through a process recently of delivering some very kind of experiential learning online which is challenging in itself but for me 
well, I'm a people person. And I think most of us are. We sit in a room and we get a vibe from people. And when we're there and we're present and you can feel the energy or you can feel the ball, you can feel the body language. It, it just works that much better. And in the online environment, it becomes very almost, I would say it's almost like a play. Here's my line. And then Ted from, from HR, that he has his line. And it, yes, it's very, very disjointed and almost, it's like a hyper reality, isn't it? And I completely it, understand that. It, it is. And the little hands up signal, it doesn't do it. How does that help me feel like I want to explode into this room? I'm stuck with my little emojis. But so I thought, well, is there something this? And I started to research it and I found all sorts of bits and pieces. Obviously, it's new to us. So there hasn't been any really tailored research, but there were lots of bits and pieces. I found this brilliant bin bag, bin bag piece of research where it's not in the book because, I, you know, it was just so, so weird. So what they did was they experimented with a group of people and they did some face to some online kind of like face to face stuff. Um, they did head and shoulders and did all sorts of different things. And then they also did this, this experiment where they put people in bin bags and what they were measuring, yeah, <laughs> just to cover them up. Just not, not their heads, up. though. They didn't cover their thing. We just heads, thing. Heads, heads on top of bin bar activity. And what they found was the whole kind of interaction thing went. And the kind of like the way they could relate to people went. So what it means is, is uh, even though we can see heads, we actually need to see the torso but but so much more we are tilting our shoulders we are taking you know breaths in and and all those shrugging of shoulders and movements are really valuable sources of information that we no longer have and we're, we're, we're pushed into just an audio world so we do need to do things differently and those different things are so hard to do that they take up bandwidth in our brains so when I wrote the book it was really to say, look, if we are going to be working up because it's the future, we, if we're going to do a lot more of this, we need to look after ourselves. We don't have the cognitive capacity to do all that clever stuff of interpreting where somebody's at, getting, getting the cues right, listening really hard, and do all that teamy, team sort of stuff that was more structured. We, we need to be really clear about when we need to be totally, totally clued in and working really, really hard. And when we can maybe just step back a little bit and just go through some more routine situations with those kind of distinctions made, people are going to be far more open and accepting that actually in this scenario, I need to be my, my kind of full self, my sort of the Amy Evanson sort of expression and bring that on board. So a lot of my book really is to say, look, let's have a look at situations when we need to be like this. It's a different culture when we need to be like this. And if we're going to collaborate, we need to work like this. And it's really hard to collaborate. And it's really hard to collaborate online. So I put in lots of research and lots of tips and kind of practical advice to make that collaboration happen because, well, that's where the problems get solved. So aside from not turning up to your next meeting dressed in a bin bag, <laughs> what can you give us now to help us make a really big difference today? Yeah, because what you've said is that, is that we still want teams to work. They're still a fundamental unit of how we, how we work. So two, two big themes, really. One is that if we are online, our cognitive load is much higher. So that means that we are, our brain is having to process and deal with stuff to a far greater intensity than it would do face-to-face. -face. 
So some of the things that are, are going on in our subconscious, which are distracting us and using up our brain from, from, from more like productive things are things like impression management. So, so you know, like looking in the background. So, so am I looking okay? How are those bags under my eyes looking? Is, is my mic going to work? Is he, is he, why is he, why is he looking down that left hand? Oh, they are looking at their emails. I can tell. All that is going on. So that is all that extra cognitive load. And it's, it's distractors, isn't it? It doesn't actually enable you to use your brain. So there's lots of cognitive load things that are going on. Some of it is around what's actually happening in the room, if you're in, this, in this, the squares that you're looking at. And some of it is kind of like, well, well I, I, we're online and I can see that they've been working together and they've met in the office or they've been meeting offline. So does that mean that that next piece of work that I was really angling for, that's going to go to them? So now what do I do to make myself look good here? So there's this cool thing, impression management is going on as well. So that's just adding more stress. So that's one thing is managing the cognitive load. And I'll get to that. And the other thing is creating a, a psychological space for people to feel able to contribute. So the cognitive load stuff is really about helping people be clear. And it's only what the best leaders have been doing all the time. So people need to know when am I, when I, am I going to be brought on stream? When am I going to be brought on stream in this meeting? So I'm clear about when I'm going to speak. When am I going to be brought in to the next big contract? Or how do you see me contributing when we're putting a proposal together? What, where are my talents? How, how do you make me as a lead? How do you make me feel special? Because then I haven't got to try and impress you. I feel comfortable. Have all that stress of thinking, how am I coming over here? What is it looking like now? Is this good enough? So our leaders need to be really clear about helping people feel more than good enough, helping people feel that they are special in this area. This is how I see you. This is where I value you. This is how I respect you. And this is how I want you to be able to contribute because I believe that this is, this is where your, your fit is. How are you about that? And that will be a conversation. So that kind of impression management can go out the window. The cognitive, a lot of the other things are techie stuff. People are getting so much better. We're all wonderful TV presenters and we've all got amazing big white lights and our mics now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so now they're spent on that these yeah, days. Yeah. 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 Like, this other thing about how big you are on the screen. So, um, you know, the, another, another bit of thing that I read was actually if looking at people online, the, the brain actually sees that as very intimidating. So all these things are going on subconsciously. So if you need to think about the, the, the distance that you are from somebody, it's equivalent to being in a very small lift with a complete stranger and just how kind of like, kind of like yeah, that can put shivers down you, you know, you sort of, so you need to maybe just sometimes just back off a little bit from the screen, little things like that can help. But just realizing that the time that you're spending on screen in a grid is actually chewing up brain power and, and that you don't, you don't really want that. Isn't that so interesting, though, because we live now in a society where people are definitely suffering from burnout more. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I know for me, this happened in the summer. And I thought, I, I don't quite understand why, because I'm doing what I've always done. But actually, if it's, if it's this kind of cognitive overload of, of the constant kind of we probably have more meetings because people need that more reassurance, particularly if you're a leader to do, do you trust your team that John isn't, well, it doesn't matter if John's working from a cafe, does it? Because John's getting his stuff done. But, you know, when you had your team in the office, you could see them in their little booths or wherever they were. 
so I, I can see how it's having a huge impact on, on people, both those people that are working in a team and those people that are leading the team as well. I mean, that is fascinating. I hadn't even realized it was probably and partly to do with this cognitive overload. And then the other thing that I'm thinking is it's, it's almost like, um, I remember this from a long time ago. I've now been married for, for 10 years and I remember when you're dating and you don't hear from that person for a little bit of time and you don't know how they feel and and oh is it all right because you're not seeing them every day and I guess it's the same concept at work you know yeah does has the boss or, or your leader been in touch and sort of said you know how are you getting on just want to let you know you're doing a great great job and that sort of happened naturally because we saw people's body language within within the office but because mm -hmm. we don't get that now it is almost like dating where you're not sure if you're going to get another date again absolutely um, and, and we're also we're also wired to go down the negative route yes so if there's a vacuum of communication we fill it with negative stuff we think oh it's because he doesn't like me anymore he never wants to see me again i completely screwed that up i shouldn't have laughed at that or I should have laughed at that joke and so we do fill it with negative stuff and and it that takes we put ourselves in a hole and that takes extra effort to crawl ourselves out again doesn't it yeah so so i think by acknowledging these things by acknowledging like you've just said that we do tend to have this kind of desire towards thinking negative thoughts and working on changing that for the leader to be hyper vigilant about the uh, the communication that you have with your remote team and just ensuring that they're okay and that they know that you're okay with what they're doing, I think is really important. And then like you've just said, the simple things of, of I think we'll talk a bit about the different types of kind of team meetings in a minute, but limiting the number of times that you're going online and then just being very aware of how you're presenting yourself online and all of those little hints and tips that are that you've just mentioned that and, and that are in the book as well are really, really useful. I've got a couple of really snappy questions that I just wanted to ask you to find out a little bit more about you that people will find really interesting. So the first question is, what book or story has had the biggest impact on the way that you do things or lead your life? Okay, so my little story is one that I picked up in a Reader's Digest when I was, I must have been about 20 years old in a dentist waiting room. But it has really stuck with me. And I've, and I've actually seen the story repeated in different ways several, several times. So this particular version of the story was set in New York, yellow cab taxi driver, picks up a fare from the airport and a guy in the back gets his, dumps his bags in and they get chatting and, and he's obviously new to the town and they get chatting. So the, the, the guy in the back says, so, so, so how, how, how do you find the people here? How, what are they like? And the taxi driver says, well, what are they like where you came from? And he said, oh, you wouldn't believe that. They're just so horrible to me all the time. They're really selfish people. They're really mean-spirited. They'd have a shirt off your back. They're always out to get what they want. Really bad bunch. Couldn't wait to get out of there. And uh, the tax driver, and, and so he says, so, and so, so well, they're not here. And the tax driver said, well, you probably find them the same here then. Now, later in the day, he picks up another fair, asks the same question. And then, you know, the, the fair, fair guy sort of says, so the tax driver sort of said, so, so what are the people like in the place that you just come from? So the, the, the guy in the back sort of says, oh, they were great. So warm, so friendly, just lovely, lovely people. They, 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 they'd be ready to help any way they could. Really community-minded, community-spirited, sharing everything. I'm going to really miss them. I was so sorry to leave. 
So the taxi driver said, you'll probably find them the same here. So yeah, I just think you get out what you put in and it made a big, big difference to me. Just if you, if you show up in that kind of positive way, that's what you get back. If you give people that time of day that they're actually good at heart and trustworthy, that's what you'll get back. You'll get the best of people. And isn't that so true? One of my favorite quotes is my energy creates my reality so much so that I actually have it on uh, these little plates that I've put on my running trainers, because every time I get to that point where I'm like, I can't go on anymore, I look down and I see that and I try and I have it also on a post-it note on my dressing table, because it's so true. I am in control of how my day goes. I also want to know, and if anybody knows this, why is it that you can only find copies of the Reader's Digest in either the doctor's surgery or the dentist? I've never seen them anywhere else. Does anyone have any at home? <laughs> right, next question then. How do you get it all done? Like you said, you, you've written a book and, and it's a hefty book. It's a beautiful book. You wrote that during lockdown, in addition to all of the other bits and pieces that, you, that you, you're doing. How do you get it all done or what productivity tools do you use to help yourself? So, so the book's still a bit different. So the book thing I actually did, I, 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 I got extra time in the morning. So I, I made sure that I got up and then I got a cup of tea. Got, got everybody up and going around the house. I went back to bed. So at about eight o'clock, I'll be back in bed and I hadn't got it properly. And my and, and that became my office. And I got things sorted out. Just And so probably about half past seven to about half past eight, nine o'clock, I had that extra time of the day just for that. But so that was a book part, set that up. But my general way of working, I'm looking for my diary here. So I basically use something called bulleting. Something that somebody showed me. And when they showed me, I just thought, oh, it's not, that's just so not me. Because, you know, they had a, a beautifully laid out book and they, they, they had got beautiful handwriting. That kind of like, oh, awesome. And it was, it's always so regular. Every line is consistent. There's no messiness. So when she showed me what she was doing, I just thought, well, that's obviously for a really neat, tidy person who can write on straight lines. And I thought, well, yeah, it's cute. But yeah, it works for you. That's fine. And then, and then someone showed me that their bulleting system and it's completely different. So, okay, I'll have a look at this again. So my bulleting system is like a hybrid version. So bulleting is basically when you write down on a task, instead of going with a little round circle, you square it off and you fill it in with, is this something that I need to research? Is this a uh, something that I need to do at home? That's an H. This is something that I need to do imminently. And I have, and is it important? I put a boundary around it. So I've, I've got, I look at my diary. I try and put the relevant things in when I'm going to do them. I look down and I think with a really big square around it, that's time-framed. I have to do it on that time. And then R things I can collect together and I've got computer things. So it just helps me structure and I can bundle things together. And then things that I don't go through, I've got like just empty squares. Sometimes I have to put an arrow in because that means I've got to shift it. So that has to go onto the next page. When, and that's, that's not good, but you know, it is still, it's an arrow rather than just missing that target. I've shifted it to somewhere else to go. So bulleting really, really helps me. It's, and it's just attributing things. And I've got like a bullets on my, I've got a, a diary that's got diary on one side and I've got like black uh, empty page and I can cluster stuff. And I just put big clouds of, of this is my comms section called comms to deal with today, comms to deal with this week. And it, it really works for me. So everything's written down, but everything's labeled as well. So I can clump it together. 
And I think it's a really nice creative way to work. And I mean, I certainly find the process of taking stuff out of my brain and physically writing it down yeah. is really helpful to me. So thank you for your advice. Now, the one thing that I want to just focus on for the final part of our conversation is this concept of kind of teamwork versus collaboration. Because for me, this is the bit that really resonates with me in the book. And I think is, well, certainly for me, and I think other people will agree is life-changing. Can you take us through that? Well, that's really dramatic, but life-changing. But yeah, I, I think we need to look after ourselves. So this is definitely a way of looking after ourselves and making sure that we keep motivated and keep engaged. And, and basically what I've said in the book is that our, our teams are changing. We don't, we don't stay in the same teams. I mean, you're, you're probably a member of, of, of several different teams right now. Yes. So I know that I am. So it's, it kind of, it cuts across. It doesn't really matter what sort of team you're in, but if the team that you're in at that particular moment, if you are, if you know that you are in a team situation, which is already known, we already know everything. We've already been here before. We do it on a regular basis. We are basically putting, going through the motions of putting something together that's very known and very structured. There are very few unknowns. And even if the ones that are unknowns, we know that there are options of what could happen if we don't know them. So I think of a, a football team having a football meeting. They're going to go and play. They know where they're going to play. Everybody knows their roles. They're defenders, midfielders, attackers. They've got tactics. They've got drills. It's, it's not quite manualized, but they've all got their information. They can put together contingencies. If this happens, then we will fall back to here. If this happens. So that, that will be a team meeting where people knew already most of what was going to be happening and the language they've got means they can cut a lot of corners so it's really quite a formal meeting in lots of ways although it can be very casual um but a meeting where perhaps that same football team were asked to say right we're going to go on a we've been asked to help out in the community we've got an outreach program people don't have expertise there no one person knows what the answer is going to be. So there isn't a position to be had. There isn't a set of expertise. There isn't a drill or a, a tactic that they've used before. That is going to be a very different meeting. And if you've used up all your brain power and all your patience and all your tolerance of everything else in a team meeting, you're not going to have what it takes to do that outreach program because that's the one where we really want everybody to contribute their ideas. And it's going to take a lot more uh so pr process awareness really everybody not just the leader not just somebody who's saying we haven't heard from you for a while so it's going to be a lot more pacey a lot more exploring of what's going on people need to be a, a far far more able to contribute so there could be you know i know that you don't know this about me but i'm i've i've got my my child's been at breakfast club and i know that there are people there who need need our help i could talk to some of that stuff there you know Somebody, okay, I didn't know that, but okay, and, and that could spring off somebody else. And, well, okay, well, maybe we should get in touch with some of the some of the suppliers that work with them, and and it will just build and build. But it's a very different conversation to the one that you've had, where you're just laying things out in a particular order. You're coordinating in that in a teamwork environment. You're essentially coordinating logistics and putting pieces together that pretty well everybody could already see. But in a collaborative meeting. You're having to generate new ideas 
and explore. And, and it, you can't see it in quite the same way. You can't see someone's role. You can't see where the ball is going to go. You actually have got to really listen very, very hard and be prepared to explore. And that takes an awful lot more kind of emotional involvement, intellectual involvement. It's also really exciting. And the energy in that kind of room can be very different. But even that can need balancing because some people will be going at pace and be buzzing. And some people will be going, hang on a minute, I'm just getting ahead because I've got something at the back. And, and the more you're working with people, the more you realize that some people need a bit of this and a bit of that. And, and it's, it's really, really important to get to know your team really, really well if you're going to collaborate. In a teamwork scenario, you can go through boom, 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 and hopefully get it through quite quick and save those issues, which are our issues, to a collaborative environment and say, right, this is where we're going to be a little bit different. We're going to be behaving differently here. We're going to be listening to each other and speaking differently. It's going to be far more interactive. And if you've only got a half idea, that's fine because that somebody else will have the other half. So it's a very different cultural feel to your, this is what we need to do, tick, tick, tick. So returning to, to Neil's book, the, uh, mm. the leadership book, we talk in that about the concept of the communications pyramid. We're at the bottom, we're at that kind of yeah. cliche level. Hi, how are you? Whatever. Yes. And at the top of that pyramid is, is the peak team. And that's where the real kind of collaboration can, can hang. Yes. So I think there's probably a fair amount of work that needs to be done within any team in terms of communication um, before they can get to that truly wonderful stage where collaboration is a natural thing that happens. So I would urge people that who are in this situation where are going, oh, actually, you know, that the collaborative meeting, I love the idea of that. There's probably some groundwork that needs to be done in terms of communicating yeah. with your team. Massive. And I, I, I wanted to ask you, do people need to be quite specific in, in terms of letting the team know today we're having our Monday team meeting, but let's plan in something on Wednesday because we've got this great idea and this meeting is going to be a collaborative meeting. Do you need to be specific about the type of gathering you're having? Totally. Absolutely. That's crucial because everyone arrives with the right expectations. Okay, this is going to be this kind of meeting. If I don't get a chance to speak or I don't get a chance to, then I'm not going to be crushed because I know it's this kind of meeting. And the expectations are that we have we are relying on reporting in according to our roles and our expertise areas. And we're looking at fitting some pieces together. And at the end of it, we'll be really pleased because we've we've done it. We've we've hit our target, we've hit a task. And this isn't the meeting where I've got a little bit of a grumble and I'm, I'm disgruntled about something and we're not, we're, we're, we, 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 I think we should unpick something. I don't take that into that meeting. If I, I will set that meeting up or I'll ask for it to be set up or it will be taken into another meeting, which will be about a, how we're working together. What can we do? What can we do to change how we're working? And I will take that into that meeting. So that's, that just shifts so much away from what from going into that teamwork meeting that's what i'm here to do that's what we'll do and we'll all contribute in a really more sort of streamlined kind of way saving ourselves for some meetings are going to be really hard and they are better and some points are really hard to work with and they are better done outside that environment 
And it could be that something crops up in a teamwork meeting and you can say, look, this is going to be really important. We are definitely going to look at this, but let's leave that for, let's reschedule that. We'll have a one-to-one or we'll do that again on Wednesday, but it would get taken out and put in a completely different pocket, if you like. So for me, it's like um, a word called teaming. So rather than just saying teamwork all the time, is if we see ourselves as teaming, meeting together, we can teaming, we can be teaming in a teamwork situation. We can be teaming in a cooperative situation, or we can be teaming in a collaborative situation. And that, if we have that expectation, and if our leaders are um, making sure that we are in the right place and setting up the right cultures for each of those distinct types of teaming, then we're going to feel far more comfortable. I'm going to know what we're doing. I'm going to do it very, very well. Can you do the, I know that because we do it often, I know that we can do the, the, the teamwork meeting in this virtual environment because perhaps we've got an agenda, <gasps> yawn, um, et cetera, et cetera. And keeps you online. Yeah, we can go through all of that. But can you do the collaborative gathering? I like to call it a gathering because that's nicer. <laughs> um, and it, it is a gathering. Can you do the collaborative gathering in the virtual environment? Yes, but it's harder and you have to be clever about what you're doing. And it starts like Lisa said, do we need to know in advance? Yes. If we're going to do a collaborative meeting in advance, yes, I think the leader needs to do a lot of work connecting with people beforehand, maybe um, getting people to connect amongst themselves beforehand to start getting to know each other. So they've got some kind of context about who they're talking to. So not just talking to a head on screen that's speaking a few words. They've actually got a sense of who this person is um, and what sort of background they've got. And they're just more likely to relate to them in a more positive, more open way, the more they know about them. So that's one thing is like pre-meeting is get to know people. And then secondly, within the actual meeting, the things that people find hardest is living in this ambigu ambiguity. So in teamwork, we know we're, we're, we're really happy, we know everything. But where things aren't settled, people need to feel a lot more comfortable about being uncomfortable. This is a meeting that's specially about, we don't know where they're going to end up here. We don't know how fast it's going to take. So we need to recognize that we're going to be exploring options for a long time before coming to a, a concrete conclusion. And that's okay. We can explore. And if we actually jump onto, we're looking at a problem that's the really hard. If we jump onto a solution, it may be that we're jumping too soon because we want things to be sorted out, want things to be solved. And there's an, a tendency online to race, mm. really race. So, so that means that when we're online, we need to be even more conscious of making sure that we stay open and exploring as long as possible because we need to get rid of that anxiety, you know, cognitive load that's making us even more anxious. So, yeah, more intentionality about how we heard from everybody is, you know, to, to asking extra questions to, to check that the exploration phase has been really, really thorough. You know, are there other ways of looking at this? What are we likely to have missed here? So who, who else should we have had here? And what would they have said? Those sorts of prompting questions just to keep, keep the ball in play. I keep thinking it's really opened my eyes this because I have spent a long period of time, particularly when I was working in broadcasting, doing a lot of collaborative meetings. And I really thrive in that environment. And I know that the collaborative meeting is what I really, really enjoy. And I know that also... I absolutely hate the normal meeting. <laughs> 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 
it, I'll be perfectly honest. It just isn't my thing. And I think people acknowledging as well where they where they thrive best in. Yeah. Um, and it's all about knowing yourself and being your authentic self. I accept that over, I am going to have to attend some of those meeting meetings but also understanding when I can slot in that collaborative meeting and, and, and knowing that I'm going to have that opportunity is, is great. And we all thrive in, in those different yes. environments. So thank you so much for opening our eyes to this concept of the collaborative meeting, because I think that that could be life-changing for people and for businesses and, and leaders and understanding the different ways that we've now got to work particularly with this with this online thing which we seem to be very used to but the, I think we've still got a long way to go to make this something that isn't incredibly stressful for people so thank you for that the final thing that I wanted to ask you was I've just reached for your book where can we buy teams for our time well at the moment it's available at Amazon so just click around Amazon look for teams for our time Judith Cantrell my name and you'll see that lovely, it's a, it's a lovely blue cover book, isn't it? It's got a nice soft feel to it. It is. And, and I, I just want to let people know, um, if you're anything like me, Mrs. Queen of the Collaborative Meeting, I also like books with pictures in. <laughs> and there's got some lovely, lovely diagrams that, that absolutely explain the concepts. Uh, it's one of those books that you can look at, dig in and out of, and you'll probably keep in your laptop bag just to refer to when you need to which is for me is is the perfect kind of book that really really useful one that you keep on you at all times Judith it goes without saying thank you so much for your time today we will pop in the show notes a link to the book and then a link to all of your social media channels as well I think that this certainly for me and I'm sure other people will agree has really opened my eyes to understanding why I have been doing some of the things that I've been doing over the last few months whilst we've been um, in lockdown and then post lockdown. And then also understanding what I need to do as a leader with my teams in order to make them feel happier about this new way of working. So thank you so much. And that's what we want. We want happier people. We want people who can just be freed up to do what they do best. Creating a great atmosphere based on positive relationships, trust and mutual understanding is an essential leadership activity. You can find that and more straightforward, actionable leadership wisdom in the leadership book by Neil Jurd. Search for it now wherever you buy your books from.